0: what's going on guys welcome to the too much test podcast episode 15 i am here with sam stolt you can find him on instagram and youtube just search his name and i'm also here with david dimasquida you can find him on youtube under david dimasquida or on instagram as dynamite underscore d we have links below in the description to all the different companies and affiliates that we work with so if you are looking for something to research with trt clinics, supplements Click down in the description. So, what's going on, guys? How are you guys doing? It's been a little while. We went through Christmas, New Year's. We're just kind of firing up 2022.
1: Yeah, Christmas and New Year's. It was a very quick time. How was your guys' holiday with the families and everything? I know you guys are both married, and it's not something I'm not married. So, how is it with the families? You're good. practically I'm okay. married. What? I was
2: just saying you're practically married, Sam. What are you talking about? <laughs>
1: I spent the day, both of those uh, – or I spent Christmas by myself. But, uh, no, it was awesome. I just worked. It was, I'm, I don't mind that,
0: you know. What well, we hope bet? everyone that listens had an awesome Christmas, an awesome New Year, and are just starting off 2022 just guns a-blazing, kicking ass. wanted to ask you guys a quick question. What do you think is – not maybe the most, but what is a really underrated supplement that not a lot of people know about?
2: Dave,
1: go ahead. I know you've
2: been uh, like The most research. underrated supplement that everyone knows about that no one talks about anymore because it's not cool is creatine monohydrate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, like, the, literally the best supplement out there. Um, and then the best supplement that people aren't talking about that's number one, period, is magnesium.
1: Why, why magnesium? Because I actually don't have magnesium in my daily stack you can't get enough of it man it's um the issue with
2: magnesium from a micronutrient perspective when you're uh, getting it is it has a really hard time breaking that blood brain barrier but there's so many uses for magnesium uh to help with the central nervous system for digestion for muscle relaxing or, like there's so many different benefits to magnesium and you really can't overdo magnesium the worst than the worst if you overdo magnesium then you end up like having diarrhea but that it requires a lot like i'm not talking about sitting here and like going to the store and getting a magnesium citrate bottle and drinking it like get actual magnesium supplement
1: that's that's interesting when you asked that question i was like well it depends on like what i'm talking about i think the most underrated thing for like a pre-workout is salt i think salt is fucking awesome as a pre-workout like one gram pre-workout or during the first you know 15-20 minutes dirt cheap um and fucking awesome for a pump and it's so underrated uh and people want to spend the money on shit but they just that's something like that but when i then the next thing that came to my mind um when i when i was thinking about a supplement first of all i'm like oh what cool supplements are there and I, i thought of uh kava which is not really a a supplement necessarily, but it's a very interesting, like anti anxiety, anti stress, anti depression, has some pain benefits associated with it, even topical pain. So, if like you were going to do micro needling of some sort, you could apply this to your skin, kind of like how cocaine, so I've heard, will numb like the skin or your tongue uh, or whatnot. This you apply to skin, it can actually have like a numbing effect in your skin. I think that's underrated. I think that's definitely underrated because. It's not I'm, not many people
2: even know about it. Yeah, I'm gonna add to that really fast. So is really interesting also because it has no tropic benefits to it. Um in countries where it's more abundant kava in these tropical states, they prefer getting drunk off of kava because you don't have the side effects and hangover effect from alcohol. Um and alcohol is really bad for you where kava actually has some benefits to it.
1: And and so so kava works also on um, the, there's one of the, there's several different ways it works, but there's, it has an effect on the calcium channel, uh, which has a blood pressure lowering effect. So, um, you can also get in a T and I don't know, it's just a very, very versatile thing that uh, I'm going to actually be adding into. There's a one study, uh, with women where Kava actually increased their sex their satisfaction, because there was a survey they did beforehand and the survey afterwards, and they did a placebo-controlled, and it increased their sexual, like, experiences relative to the control group. Test mm-hmm. uh, your levels, though. What 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 would you think? It What is your uh, pick in terms of one of the most underrated mm-hmm. um, supplements out there or compounds or?
0: So I kind of cherry picked that question because I was doing a video on was doing a video for my YouTube channel on berberine, which we talked about last time as a glucose disposal agent. And dude, I was reading up on berberine, and holy shit, it is freaking it's freaking awesome supplement. But I made the mistake of buying berberine from bulk supplements as just oh, a wow. raw powder because. You know, I've done it with Inositol. I've done it with creatine. And I just I didn't even really research it. I actually I just put it on my Christmas list. Like, yeah, I put supplements on my Christmas list. So I so I put this on there, I got it, and I was like, oh hell yeah, I get to try this. I opened it up. And if you've never seen raw berberine, dude, it looks like and it's been used as like a dye. Like I open it up, it is straight like hardcore yellow, as yellow as you could get. And I'm and I'm like, holy shit, this stuff looks crazy and it it will stain your it will stain your skin, it will stain your sink and it tastes absolutely horrible. It tastes <laughs> like if you <laughs> it tastes like it tastes like if you've ever chewed a Tylenol or if you've like taken a, what's that? BC powder, it tastes like that, but it lasts for like 20 minutes. Like you can eat stuff, you can drink stuff, it stays there. So then I started looking into like pill machines. You know, like you can make like 20 or 40 pills at a time. And, uh, and then I found I saw on some of these websites that you have to have, like, a DEA license to buy a capsule-making machine. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, I'm just trying to make some berberine capsules because it tastes horrible. Um, <laughs> so. well, touch, what, are, what are some of the things, what are some of the
1: cool, unique benefits of, of berberine? I mean, I only think about it from my, like, a glucose disposal agent, right, for, like, blood sugar and stuff like that. But I'm sure that there's a hundred other things that I just don't know about.
0: Well, I'm happy you asked, Sam, because I actually have <laughs> notes right here. <laughs> so there's just just some highlights. It's funny. I felt like I, wa- I, felt like I walked into that one. <laughs> so decreases insulin resistance, making blood sugar-lowering hormone insulin more effective. Increases glycolysis, helping the body break down sugars inside cells. Decreases sugar production in the liver. Slows the breakdown of carbohydrates in the gut. Increases the number of beneficial bacteria in the gut. But wait, there's more. <laughs> now, I did some, study, some studies and just some quick highlights. In one study of 116 diabetic patients, one gram of berberine per day lowered fasting blood sugar by 20% um, from 7.0 to 5.6 MMOL, um, or basically, in layman's terms, from diabetic to normal levels. Um, also lowered hemoglobin A1C by 12%, which is apparently a, long, a marker for long-term blood sugar. Um, according to a big review of 14 studies, berberine is as effective as oral diabetes drugs, including metformin, glipizide, and rosiglitazone, whatever the fuck that is. Wow. <laughs> There's just one another real quick one. Um, in a 12-week study in obese individuals, 500 milligrams of berberine taken three times per day caused about five pounds of fat loss on average. The participants also lost 3.6% of their body fat. So like No other changes, just taking 1.5 grams of berberine throughout the day, no, like three times a day. And No one listens to me about
2: how effective berberine is. One thing that you actually did not quote that also berberine aids in is actually cholesterol support. It actually increases HDL and reduces LDL down. There are cholesterol benefits to berberine as well. Now, it's, it is just as effective as metformin. Metformin, there's one other unique use for it that's actually applied to women and not men, um, but berberine or metformin works in different mechanics. And I'm actually gonna do a video of breaking down basically berberine and metformin. So it's funny, that, that was one of the things I was researching this past week actually. I'm like halfway through it because I'm going. The studies on metformin are so absurdly long and ridiculous because they have so much meta analysis behind it. And they, they read out to be very similar. And they're both the biggest response that you get from both of them is a hepatic response. So in the liver. And actually, some of the benefits out of metformin, they still don't have 100% analysis on what it does in the gut. They have, it <clears throat> has to do with the glute too. Which um, and it also has to do with basically blocking uh, glucose uptake through the liver. It increases one thing in the liver, and and off the top of my head, I don't know the enzyme or the process, and it reduces down basically the absorption of it. And basically in layman's terms for the gut, what metformin does that's beneficial for the gut is it actually helps to excrete out the glucose, so it helps to get it out of the system. Berberine does not do that. But berberine does, and I'm going to go off the top of my head, kills hydrogen bacteria. It's, it's hydrogen or methane. It's one of the two, but I'm pretty sure it's hydrogen. It's a hydrogen bacterial killer, which is one of the things that people get a buildup in their system of. And then they have SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And berberine is phenomenal. It's one of the antimicrobials that you use in a SIBO mm-hmm. protocol. Well,
0: wow, that's, that's a- a- I got a list of other stuff that it does, and that was one of them. Depression, rats. and rat studies, that showed it may help fight depression. Cancer, test tube, and animal studies have shown it can reduce growth and spread of various types of cancer, um, antioxidant, anti-inflammatory properties. It has been shown to fight harmful microorganisms, including bacteria, viruses, fungi, and parasites. And it can reduce fat buildup in the liver, which should help protect against non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And so one study showed that it it helped with uh, heart, heart issues. And I was like, wow. Like, and what was interesting in some of these, in some of these studies that they said is that this is berberine is one of the few supplements or natural compounds that is as good or possibly better than like prescription medicines. And I was like, that's a pretty powerful statement. You know, like that's pretty impressive. I think, I think that there's actually, we're just not aware of them, but I think that there's actually a
1: lot of natural compounds that are far superior than drugs. Like the thing that comes to my mind is B3. So niacin um, has been compared to different statins at the effect on cholesterol. And statins can be fairly effective at uh, lowering triglycerides and lowering LDL, but there's virtually no effect on HDL or very minimal effect on HDL where B3 not only affects both of those tremendously, like upwards of like 25 to 30% in some cases, depending on dosage and whatnot, but it also raises HGL, which is one of the things that has been like, you know, that's one of the things that it like, is an effect mm-hmm. from statins that it is like negative or that doesn't affect HGL, which is what you want, which is one of like the precursors or one of the things that is linked to certain, metabolic foods or, or heart-related heart stuff. So affecting that effectively raising that, then they could say the drug is more effective. But B3 is something like you can get at the store for five bucks and at a gram plus per day, it is more effective than stags. And like you just said, berberine, right, for blood glucose is more effective than diabetes drugs. And I would bet Day has a dozen example of something else that is effective, more effective than the drug. And these things are also not only cheaper, but the side effects related to them is like, yeah, you might get diarrhea or something like that.
2: So uh, I'm gonna actually go back to the berberine (laughs) one. So the reason the long-term research on it is basically uh, berberine and metformin helped to improve AMPK, which AMPK is an amazing enzyme for us. It helps with glycogen uptake. Well, when AMPK increases, it actually produces mTOR, and this is like bad for muscle building, but it's great for longevity. But it can reduce m- mTOR, which is basically what it produces protein synthesis, but it lowers IGF-1 score. So if you lower your IGF-1 score, it's basically a cancer-preventing uh, thing. But we kind of want high IGF-1 to bring it. So it's kind of like where does a rubber hit the pavement kind of thing, where you're actually seeing a slowdown in protein synthesis. I've never seen it, but there is, I'm sure if you take like massive hyper amounts of it, because that is actually the mechanic of it. I'm going to go, but for the anti-cancer one, MSM has an, at 40 grams a day, which is an absurd amount, by the way, and it actually tastes like chlorine uh, when you start just like dry scooping this thing in your mouth, um, has been compared to chemotherapy, by the way. Hmm. That in, terms of, in terms of how effective it is? Yeah, you may be interested to read about that one, Sam. Um, it's been like two or three years, I think, since I read the study on it, and I'm not going to try to quote it off the top of my head, but they actually do talk about it for basically cancer killing effects at 40 grams a day is that dose, um, which is a lot. And it's basically putting your body into a high sulfate state because all the MSM is sulfates.
0: I'm confused. If there's natural compounds that work as good or better than pharmaceutical medicines and tend to be far cheaper and have far less side effects, why why don't we hear about them? That I'm I'm just so confused. You think that if there's these compounds that are so great for us and you know non no side effects basically, why do we use pharmaceutical drugs instead of them?
1: I am I'm confused too because I sense a little bit of sarcasm in your voice, <laughs> but I, I I get the essence of what your question is. <laughs> and I think I think we all know why that is because if I can prove that my thing is more effective from a placebo standpoint, I can sell it for a hundred X, where you could sell right, you can buy a bottle of uh, niacin for five bucks or four bucks or six bucks or something for a month supply versus I could sell you this other thing for $600 a month. Um, it causes all these other issues. Now I don't give a shit about that shit. I'm selling it to you for $600. Like I'll just take a portion and set that aside for the side effect lawsuits that are bound to come down the road.
2: And so if, if you look at some of these medications and you compare it to what's in the natural world, right? Red rice yeast extract.
0: Yep. What I is that comparable uh... to?
2: That, that's a number one example because it's actually derived and part of cholesterol medication. Every single cholesterol medication has red rice yeast extract in it um, off the top of my head. Uh, I don't know like one that really doesn't have it in it, but it like molecularly they're very, very similar to each other and they modulate some of the stuff to try to improve it. And that's kind of like what the medical world is it, all chemistry. I mean the natural world, the pharmacology world it's, it's chemistry, it's science and you know, like there are some other benefits in that form and that berberine doesn't have. They're very minuscule, but in a in a blood glucose world, berberine works very well. So
0: I can tell you. So I did an experiment with berberine steam. I didn't do the drinking one like I did with uh, slim pills. I took slim pills and drank alcohol and saw if it got me messed up more and it faster and it did. So this <laughs> test was uh, a big bowl of cereal you know, typically I eat a big bowl of cereal, I eat like special K protein. I know it's trash. Trust me. I'm sure it has lots of lectins in it that are trying to attack me for eating them. As Sam always points out that I eat those, but but I eat a big, a big bowl of cereal, probably two or three servings to what would be on the box. And then, you know, I took berberine right before that. And I would say good 30, 45 minutes later, I felt hungry again, same way as I took off the Slim pills. So I think David was right in that in glucose disposal agents, the berberine seems to be like the main component of mechanism of action, but they put other stuff like chromium and cinnamon bark and stuff like that, which, you know, I'm sure there's been some studies that have shown that it helps. That's why they put it in there. I think it's like the, you know, you got the main engine and then you have just a little bit of nitrous on the end. You throw in anyway, you know what I'm saying?
2: So one, you actually just brought up a good point. One ingredient that you don't want to have too much of in, that are in all these GDAs chromium. You don't want to have too much of it. Um, and you can look up why, but like, like you're like, end up having like 600 milligrams of chromium a day and start getting adverse sides from it. Um, so, but I love berberine. Um, the other one that no one talks about that's a really good GDA, by the way, is curcumin. And there's no downsides to it. Like zero downsides uh, to curcumin.
1: And, and and curcumin has a laundry list of other benefits like you had just mentioned with berberine. I mean, there's anti-anxiety benefits, there's pain, inflammation. Um, I just was doing a video on it. Like there's just so many different benefits of
2: Curcumin. There's muscle building properties to it. Unlike berberine and metformin, where it, it, re- it reduces d- mTOR response, um, it actually has anabolic property, like anabolic properties to it, like muscle building properties to it. Um, but yeah, so anti-aging,
0: anti-inflammatory. And another supplement that's usually like paired with uh curcumin is uh turmeric. Tumeric. I've seen those kind of paired together same. in supplements. Same.
1: Same. Because same thing basically. It's it's a turmeric is like what the plant is and then the curcumin is like the component of turmeric and Interesting. then the, the, you also see it's paired with uh p- peppering something or whatever is a chemical name but it's just yep. basically black pepper because it, it actually aids in the absorption of the curcumin
2: it, yeah you sam know. you brought up a really good point uh the uh, black pepper extract has to be added the actual if you get the medical form of curcumin it's literally curcumin and then have black pepper extract which is I uh, what I've, i forgot it does start with a p i always forget the name of it um but yeah they add that into it and it's uh, a 500 milligram cap and then i think it's five milligrams of black pepper extract to get it to drive through because it does have an issue actually absorbing
1: into the system sure. and it's, a, it's a freaking awesome compound so the cop which is, has anti has a lot of like anti-anxiety anti stress type compound um, on the same note that we were just talking about how like berberine is more effective than drugs. If you take the whole picture into, into consideration, price, availability, uh, uh, side effects, etc cetera, um, is more effective than the drugs. Same thing with B3. Well, curcumin um, has anti-anxiety benefits because I just did a thing on it. It affects these enzymes that, regulate serotonin and dopamine. So the, you know how a PDE5 inhibitor will inhibit the that the PDE5 enzyme, right? So that you can basically get hard or stay hard by like having this enzyme not blocking or breaking down NO or nitric oxide. Well, that's effectively how curcumin works for these enzymes that break down serotonin and dopamine and you look at kava and kava also has an effect on dopamine in terms of increasing dopamine and then I forget kena kena is a another super interesting plant it works like an ssri and uh it increases um serotonin so going back to that theme of like just things that are natural that are more effective than drugs i hypothesize that you adding curcumin with Kenna and with Kava. Uh, One, the the Kava has dopamine effects, which are the dopamine and serotonin are the areas that anti-anxiety, depression type drugs tend to target. You have two plants that are both effectively targeting those things. Then curcumin is effectively targeting the enzymes that break these things down. All have other, plenty of other benefits with no side effects, no withdrawal, dirt cheap, And I would bet a lot of money that they're more effective than the anti-anxiety or depression type of drugs out there. And on a side note, you could technically, like as Dave mentioned a little earlier, you could get like high or kind of drunk, not necessarily drunk, but like because people think of drunk as like alcohol, but like you can kind of get like a, a sensation from that like you would with being drunk kind of thing. Hmm.
0: Well, so do we, we talk about the shit. So, we'll, let's just jump from you know super healthy supplements to hardcore street drugs. Um, inter- <laughs> an interesting compound that I, I think it could be utilized in a lot of different ways, but is banned is MDMA, ecstasy. You know, the rave drug. Um, I've personally taken it before. Um, luckily for me, when I was growing up, there was still like it was still like you can actually get like real ecstasy. Not always. But it wasn't like the stuff now that's just basically like bath salts. But I'll, I'll tell you straight up, ecstasy is favorite drug I've ever tried in my entire life. But I'll never do it again because I don't want to take bath salts. Um, I don't know if you guys have any experience this, but MDMA was actually once it was figured out what it kind of did, it was used in therapy um, because it released so much so much dopamine and, and serotonin, and people put you in this state where you love everything, everyone's your friend, everything's good. Um, but it's banned, so now people can't use that for therapy. It's just something that we don't have access to as humans because it gets you high.
1: But That's cra- that's so crazy that like something, so- I mean like what are you going to do if you take too much access to all? I'm just going to love all my friends and smile and maybe dance a little bit, but like, fuck, you know what I mean? Like, You can see how fucked up our government is and regulators that this is the shit you're banning instead of like doing intelligent things with it time and money. But Dave, what is what's a drug, a street drug or something like that that you think uh might be like underrated?
2: Mushrooms. Huh. Um LSD and mushrooms. So you're talking about MDMA? And we're talking about some awesome research that has come out recently, microdosing of mushrooms, which yes, I do it. Um, so I have personal experience with it. I've never, I've done MDMA one time. Um, and all that I want to do is touch people and I never did it again because I was like, this is too much for me. Um, like I was in a bar setting. I was like, Oh, I need to go home. And then like I went home and someone's listening to music and it like re-triggered it. I was like, no, I want to relax. Um, it was like too much hype. So, uh, I, that's the only hallucinogenic drug. I've never done LSD. I've never done mushrooms um, or actually hallucinated off of a drug. And uh, I decided to try microdosing mushrooms because my life was very stressful at the time. I was working 50, 60 hours corporate job. And then I was coaching another 40 hours a week and starting to travel. And the compound interest definitely caught up pretty quickly with that workload. And I was like, you know, let me try it out. And sure enough, um, it gives me a better sense of focus. It gives me... A better sense of well being. I went from very chill and easygoing to like zero fucks given ground, like level grounded. Um, that's the only way I can describe it. It helps you stay grounded. And I've never taken an amount, I did take an amount where it was like a little bit too much, where I thought like a shadow was like a creature on the ground, like something running on the ground, right? And then I, I just backed off, right? Um, because I, you want to find that amount where you basically, what I found is like once you get light sensitive, you have enough in your system. And if you get a little bit lighthearted, like you smile a little bit easier and stuff like that, that's all that you want, but you actually get a better focus. So you can actually work really well with it. Um, so microdosing of mushrooms, one, and then microdosing of LSD has very similar effects, but they're finding out that you're talking about anti-depression. They're doing all, all these forms are basically studying anti-depression the application of mushrooms. And then there's another form for microdosing of LSD. And the really cool thing about this form in particular is microdosing of LSD is done by one of the original scientists on the LSD, the creation of it. So he was from the originate origination point. And they're very cool because chemically they're polar opposites of each other, but it's like the exactly the same, but polar opposites. Um so how does, uh, ps-
1: ps- Psilocybin is what's in mushrooms that causes yeah. that effect. What is, I, but I don't know how, how does psilocybin work, right? Like MDMA uh, affects dopamine, right? Uh, or serotonin or both of those things. How how does psilocybin affect?
2: You know, me taking it and how much research I do before I cut something into my body, you'd think I would have a very intellectual answer there. But I know that it makes me light sensitive. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't have an intellectual answer for it. And I'm not going to sit here. I'm the first one to admit when I don't know something. um, And I don't know it. But I have seen like the MRI scans on the brains over like seven day periods of time and how it opens up the brain. But I had photographic memory when I was a kid and I had a seizure and I actually lost my photographic memory. It was a very violent one. And then I had uh, like two or three more and it, it made my ADHD actually really bad. My ADHD is just as bad, but I will tell you that my memory retention span and how quickly I can memorize something on a piece of the page has started to revert to what it was when I was a child. Um, which is very interesting. So I don't know if my brain, the portions of the brain are actually being healed or it's opening up pieces that were like locked down after that happened or what.
0: You know, so it's, it's interesting is a medicine that they're using. It's in the same category as ketamine. And supposedly ketamine is supposed to through like something Genesis, but it's supposed to help the brain create uh, new pathways. And it's being used to help with PTSD, depression, um, anxiety, stuff like that. So it's it's interesting that these drugs There, I mean, these are viewed as like, well, not really mushrooms, but I mean, LSD, ketamine, GHB, stuff like that. I mean, these are viewed as hardcore drugs. But in a medical setting, they're starting to see that these do a lot of good things. Um, I've never microdosed any of these. I've maxi dosed many of these. <laughs> when I was actually when I was introduced to LSD, it was actually on gel tabs, which is interesting enough when it was made, it's made as like a gel. And have you ever seen those long white windows or window, those lights, fluorescent lights at like a place, you know how they're like textured, they would basically take those down or they would have one and they would pour the gel over it. And when it dried, you could cut it into little, little sheets. And so you could cut out 10 and sell 10 or you, you could cut out one acid and acid take one.
1: It's about- acid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. I'm, I'm done with
0: so acid. I'll tell you my experience with LSD. It's fun when you're on it, but you will trip for like, 4 or 5 hours maybe and then it gets real mild but you can't sleep your mind races races like i remember one time i don't know it's probably it was probably 10 hours after i took it couldn't sleep my brain was playing like sonic the hedgehog like how he goes like up and down and swirls and crazy but it's annoying cuz you can't sleep but you're not really tripping anymore and then Whoa. shrooms second favorite drug i've ever tried i don't want to come off as a drug addict but i do I think you only have one life and, you know, trying something that's relatively safe. That's a new experience. That's something that interests me. Um, Shrooms. They used to grow in my ex-girlfriend's from a long, long time ago, backyard. Uh, She had horses. And I remember one day I walked outside and I was like, huh, I've seen those mushrooms before. Those are fucking shrooms. And, uh, and yeah, they were freaking grow. And I would go out there, flick them so that more would grow. And then we'd harvest them. But, For that experience, I tripped probably more visual and laughing than I ever have in my life. But after about four hours, I was able to go to sleep.
1: I've done microdosing LSD, uh, and I've I've done uh, ecstasy a couple times, and I've done like mega, stupid, ridiculous doses of mushrooms that I I don't even know if I want to take mushrooms again, even if it's microdosing. From my experience of like, I took eleven grams, which what. If you've never taken mushrooms before, like don't fucking take 11 grams. It's not a fucking intelligent thing to do at, at, at all. I would not recommend doing that. That's what
0: I did. These the mushrooms are white. These are dried mushrooms.
1: Yeah, they're dried mushrooms, and I took 11 grams, and um, I couldn't I couldn't see anything. Like uh, I, I, I I see you guys because right, we're filming this. If you're listening. And I can see uh, you guys' face and everything. I just saw, like, the outline of face was just, like, blurriness. But, like, it was, like, things moving on the face. And then it got real intense when I laid down in my bed. Everything's dark. And you, you close your eyes. and it And it was – you start questioning things about life. Like – So if if you're okay with this thing, or you're like, hey, what's it? What? what, Like, what are you like not okay with in life that you need to like figure out? I guess may have been the conversation, but I don't I don't know what it was exactly like. And to the point where you're like, are you okay? Are you okay with dying? Like, and and you're in a very interesting spot because you can't leave that spot. And in my mind, I'm asking this question as I'm walking down a hallway into a like a dim or yellow lit kitchen with like all wood cabinetry, older, like older 1970 style cabinetry. And there's this, there's this big like knife that you use for cutting shit in the kitchen on the table. And and I don't know that I'm not in my bedroom. I, maybe I was in the kitchen. I don't know. I literally didn't know where I was. And, um, and it's like, are you are you okay with dying? And, and you're like questioning that. And then now the knife is like right in front of you. And uh, after going through that experience, there was many other things that also happened. <laughs> like I, I woke up on the floor because I couldn't figure out how to get back to my room after going to the bathroom, which is like 10 feet away. And I was like, I have no idea where I am. I, I, how do I find my room? I couldn't find my bedroom. So I just laid on the floor because I was like, I have no idea where I am.
0: Dude, I I was that private. When I was when I was tripping one time on shrooms, I was in on a back porch and this was there's was some land and the horses were in the back and there was a fence and I was walking I just just opened the gate or walk, I walked out of the porch was walking toward the horses and dude, I saw a fucking red like sniper laser like sweep and I fucking hit the deck like I thought there was a sniper. I mean like I don't know of like the suburbs on like a farmish thing and I swear to god I thought there was a sniper. And I mean, it it didn't really scare me. It's just like it popped in my head. Like I have to hit the ground and it's, it's pretty wild. And what you were saying, like when you're on psychedelics, like your brain is kind of, it's, it's going and it's, and if you do, if you have like a lot of trauma or something like that, or depression or a lot of like your brain can switch over into that mode where you start bringing up dark thoughts and you're fucked up. And that's, I mean, that's why people sometimes have bad trips, which I'm, I've never had one, but I'm sure it's pretty fucking scary.
1: I don't know how many hours I was in that place either. Like <clears throat> enough to be like, I don't even know if I want to fucking microdose again. Like I was there that long, and it was that intense. Where I'm like, I, I don't know if I want to even microdose again. You know.
2: <laughs> so when I took too many mushrooms, right? It wasn't too many. It was literally I, I my dose is like a stem and a top seems to be pretty good. I need. I'm not like super scientific with it, where I measure it and it and stuff like that. I don't want to be on the DH DAE watch list uh, like you. So. <laughs> I uh, haven't even Googled it, but so a stem in the top seems, seems to be my tolerance zone. And I was doing a stem in, uh, two stems in the top at one point in time. And I was doing pretty good with it for like two or three times. And then the third time I was walking back to my bedroom and I was holding a towel, which I never carry a towel with me to the bedroom unless I have to put it in the hamper. Um, and I, the shadow went across the ground, right. And. I heard a noise at the same time, but it was like the curtain that made a noise. It was from the fan. The fan moved the curtains a little bit and it it triggered it to think that it was like a rat running on the ground. And I screamed like a little girl and I jumped into the bed. I don't know how Caroline didn't hear me, but like I screamed at the top of my lungs, like a little girl. I've never squealed before and I did it. And I was just like, okay, calm down. Nothing's there. We don't have rats in the apartment. I'm good. And then like, I like had to talk myself and try to calm myself (laughs) back down. And like, I'm like, it, let me double check this there's not wrath then all of a sudden, like i didn't realize it was a towel at this point and then i saw the shadow again and i almost yelled and i'm like okay i'm good i know it's a shadow got it towel throw it <laughs> and, um so and then like but it's crazy so i walked down to the other side of my bed to grab my clothes right and i heard the fan trigger the curtains to make the noise and it re-triggered the feelings again so and then like i had to tell myself i like to stay calm and that's when I knew like how I could see how someone gets a really bad trip because my emotions got so heightened and so freaked out. It probably took me 15 minutes to like get back down to level. So that was the only time when like I like had like bad hallucinogenic experience
1: and I went back down to a stem at the top. Never like, you know, when you get completely blackout drunk, which is, I haven't, had, I haven't done that in years 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 years. Right. But like you probably, you guys have probably both gotten to the point where you get like completely obliterated. Right. Well, You know how you you don't really remember a lot of it, but you also, like, don't really have control over your body or, like, that kind of thing? Well, think about that for your mind. And your mind is so much more powerful than your body. And you don't have any fucking control over what you're doing in your mind. And you don't know reality. Your reality is in your mind. It's a 1,000% in your mind in terms of your perception. right? And you're there. And you're drunk, like you would be physically incapable of doing something if you, you know, had 14 shots and 10 beers, right? Like you're at that spot, but you don't have any fucking control or awareness of any of the stuff. Like there's a point where you go and you're like, oh like you feel this great, you're cool. And then you get to a point you're like, oh wow, I feel this a lot, right? And then you're like, oh wow, so shit, the fucking there's the walls are slimy and they're moving a little <laughs> bit. And, and then you're like, okay, well, that, that's fake, right? And then you get to the point where you're like, wow, the walls are, are actually moving. Like I never realized the walls are actually moving. And you're like, that's actually what's happening. And then you go past that point where you're like, oh, oh man, like the water bottle on the desk is like smiling at me and shit. Right. And you're just all this like crazy shit is happening and you can't take yourself back out of it. And then you're so far in where there's no turning back. And it's like this escalating process of going through there. And once you're, completely shit-faced, but in the terms of, like, the the compounds. Another interesting... Two interesting compounds. Um, uh, ib- ibogaine. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. But it... When you said ketamine it reminded me of it. Ibogaine, and I don't know a ton about it, has... It's, it's a plant that's also illegal because it has so many benefits. It kind of resets the... Um like addictive pathways. So people think, I I don't think, I think of addiction as like something that we create, but the addiction pathways are things where if somebody's coming off of uh, something where they feel like they're addicted to that, right, because they've been doing it for, you know, however long and they've created these certain like pathways where that's your body's like programmed to do this because you've been doing it for 10 years. Ibogaine can can reset very, very quickly. Uh, Super interesting compound. Uh, Another is Hmm. DMt which is uh, I don't know a lot about it but it's what you experience or I think it might be a hormone or something in your body that happens when you sleep or when you are born or when you die and it is hallucinating but it's it's not like there's you know how there's that gradual come up when you were when you were experiencing... The mushrooms. When you experience mushrooms, right, like, you you notice the first sense of things because because when you start to take mushrooms, if you've never taken them before, uh it's like having a beer, and you're like, okay, cool, I had a beer, and I know, and I can feel maybe like I'm oh, I just realized I was just chatting more, right? And then you're on three beers, and you're like, oh yeah, definitely having more conversations about shit that I don't normally talk about, and then you keep going further and further, and but that process of going from zero to a hundred takes time with alcohol, or it takes time with mushrooms, right? You don't just go from the zero to a hundred DMT is from zero to a hundred in a fraction of a second. And I think that's one of the reasons that it causes that, but that was a very, it was a very good experience, but it was very intense. It's, there's no come up. It's boom. You're gone. You're hearing this chair. I'm, I'm sitting here looking at this camera, talking to you guys a fraction of a second later, I'm gone. I'm in another world i'm not sitting here i have no recollection of being in this thing and i'm just in another spot and there's all these colors and shapes and weird energies and and intense like feelings that are coming uh, all at the same time but in, in a positive way like joyful like happiness type feelings and it's a very interesting if you've never had a chance to check it out i thought it was a good experience not that i would recommend anybody do it but i did Think it was a good experience. If you guys have ever, you know, or ever have a chance to check it out.
2: Um, and just for the viewers, the more popularized form of this now, DMT is actually the first form of it that I heard of. And you, I think you smoke it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's like a hit, um, and it's very very fast trip. But what's the more popularized form now? And it's probably because like Joe Rogan's podcast and stuff like that that's probably become more publicly aware is ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is the oral form of it but ayahuasca is an herb and then they actually have to combine the herb with a root and they combine it together because a root deactivates an enzyme in the stomach that actually naturally deactivates ayahuasca from being able to absorb in the system. So um, that's what the people go for their like spiritual journeys and stuff like that is usually ayahuasca tripping. um, And you usually have to have a spiritual guide and stuff like that because you can get sick, you can throw up stuff like that, but it's a longer form. So people, it rewires the brain a lot of people that are like heroin addicts and stuff like that they'll go and do an ayahuasca trip down in mexico to kind of like jolt the brain and it's supposed to help like reset the opioid receptors and stuff like that and rewire things um and there's more that you can grasp from an ayahuasca trip than a dmt trip a lot of people have like complete or like religion religious experiences and stuff like that they're actually rewriting history based off of all hallucinogenic drugs not just one in particular but uh dmt is actually one of them
1: yeah because the dmt when you smoke it you're like zero to 100 in a second and then it takes you know maybe 30 minutes 25 to 40 minutes and you're and you're done you're like good you're like okay cool it's time to get back to work uh but i watched it that's like an all-day thing right like that's like six to twelve hours
2: i think it's maybe longer than that I think it's a long time. I mean, like people go into ayahuasca trips for days. I think they like do it like you continually do it or something like that. And I think it's a day, like a, a few day process that you're supposed to go through. I,
0: I, I want to try it. I mean, I would, I mean, let's just say ideal scenario. I would probably, I would take like a quarter dose. I don't care if I, if I have to shit and I to puke and, and see how I feel. I just don't know if I want to jump into, you know, a 16 hour trip You can go into a bad place, you know. I mean, it can go real good where you're just super happy laughing, thinking about childhood memories, you know, this, and then you could think of dead family members, dead pets, and just go into a weird freaking place. Um, I do want to try it at some point. So, you guys want to switch to completely different gears and talk a little just cryptocurrency for a minute or two? (laughs) So I recently I turned on my computer and I have like a full tower with the graphics card and shit and freaking start my day my freaking google chrome was all messed up i thought something was off my graphics card it was making like stuff i couldn't see stuff the wrong color and long story short i tried microsoft edge and it worked fine so i'm like okay my computer's good and then i remember there's a there's a browser called brave either of you guys heard of that i was was talking to sam before it so i I don't know anything
1: about it
0: so it's called brave and it's a it's basically it's Chrome is basically open source, and this is based on Chrome. So it functions just like Chrome. You can actually import tabs, uh, passwords, stuff like that from Chrome. Uh, the token that this uses is called BAT, and it's called Basic Attention Token. I'm not an expert in it, but I know enough about it to just BS about it. But basically, the idea behind this browser is they they basically block ads and trackers. So it's a privacy-based um, – and it will actually – let me – See if I can freaking show you this. Well, I'll I'll talk while I'm doing it. But basically, it will show you. Um, so it says right now that it has saved 2,500 trackers and ads blocked. It's saved 128 uh, megabytes of bandwidth and saved me three minutes of loading time. And I've also earned, just from using it, I've earned 0.259 BAT. Um, so basically, this browser pays you to use it. Um, so they will serve ads to you and i haven't even noticed any of them but through like people so people can advertise on brave and so you're getting basically paid a little bit of money to see ads instead of the other way around so instead of google making money showing you ads you're getting paid for your attention which is oh, the idea I of love, I love
1: blockchain blockchain is going to fucking change the world over the next 10 years that i incredible. agree
0: and they actually are like so. Right now, I could start a free video call with just one other person, and it would be a hundred percent free. So they're jumping into kind of the same platform as Zoom. Um, they also have a paid version where we may we could be able to to jump on it at some point. But they're like a real company. So if you look up Brave Browser, it's pretty neat. That's the, the, the stuff that's coming out. with That is fascinating. Like that's probably way better
1: from a price standpoint. Way better from like a, a, a I don't know a security in terms of your 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 data and your passwords and all that shit than having it all centralized. It's probably on the blockchain, and,
0: and you can actually good. you know how you have like incognito mode with uh, Chrome, and you know I know why everyone uses that, but <laughs> but I think you guys. But anyway, they have that as well. But then they have another one where you can go through Tor. Which are you guys familiar with Tor? Yep. So. No. Basically, Tor is wh- how you access like the other seventy percent of the internet that Google doesn't scrape or show you. The dark, dark—not even the dark web—but it's stuff that Google doesn't. They don't show it to you, so you could type in the exact same thing, and Google's not going to show it to you. Um, but you have to access it through Tor. Um, so I thought that's interesting. I mean, it's it's a different type of browser, but it looks exactly like Chrome, pretty much.
1: That's uh. <laughs> Uh, blockchain and i've been getting into like uh, nfts a little bit not uh I, i'm not super into the art stuff but the technology underlying it and and the contract i think the contract is was actually super interesting uh but but it's all based on the, the blockchain and uh, this could be utilized say dave for coaching clients you create nfts that give them uh certain privileges and then in and it, and it lasts for say a year or two years or three years this the privileges that are associated with it that are on the smart contract that is associated with the nft but then in 3 years down the road you're you could bring in the people who originally had them and reward those people in certain ways like hey if you if you are one of the current holders of the first generation nft then you get these benefits and it's a different way of building a community but also it is currently affecting, like, you know how the internet came out and it was like, I don't remember what the internet was like when it first came out, it was just fucking really, really slow. And then and then there was like certain things that came on there and it keeps disrupting and keeps disrupting more and more legacy industries. Well, currently NFTs are um, disrupting art and music, right? So you can go and fit for music like you're, you have like sony or these other companies that they will sign a person and then the person gets like you know 10 to you know 30 percent of the benefit and sony gets the, rep, the, the big portion of it well nfts are able to shift that but but not only just in their favor but to shift it in the sense that now the people if you're one of those people and, and you probably might be one of them or you've heard of one of those people who are like Oh, I knew about fucking Beyonce before everybody else did because I listened to her shit on fucking YouTube or this, that, and the other thing, right? Well, they can release an NFT. There's a site called uh, Royal.io. You can go buy royalty rights on people's music where you get a percentage of the benefit of the song in the future. So if you're good at spotting that kind of stuff, and then the, the same thing with like artwork and all the stuff, and these are the first like industries it's affecting, but it's going to affect a shitload more of stuff uh, over the next decade. So with the
2: NFT stuff, <clears throat> I may be creating one actually pretty soon with one of my buddies in it. And actually the art. So the cool thing is actually, no, I'm going to, I'm going to tell one that's like even cooler. I'm not even going to talk about art for a second. The Billionaires Club, they have an NFT for the Billionaires Club. And when they created this NFT, it was $7,000 to buy an NFT. Anyone you buy about the NFT, right? But it was the Billionaires Club. You had to be a billionaire to own one. And if you owned an NFT, when they have these parties and you have an NFT, that's your right to go into the party. That's very layman's terms for people to understand what an NFT is. That's the right if you have the NFT. Well, there are two guys that bought into the billionaires club. So they're showing up to all these parties with all these billionaires and they're definitely not billionaires and they own an NFT. And the only way you can get rid of their NFT away from them is if you buy their NFT. So their $7,000 NFT is currently worth what their offers are at or $500,000 a piece right now. So over time, if those rights and those accesses, because they're so limited and so sought after may be worth more. So it can create a higher value for whatever product you're putting out there. If my coaching right now is $400 a month, let's say, and that you buy an NFT, and then I those are the original NFTs, and I only created 50 of them, and then they had certain rights that the next generation does not have, then those NFTs are no longer worth $400 a pop. They're worth five hundred or six hundred or seven hundred dollars because those next nfts that i released they're now worth a thousand dollars a piece to get access to actually less because i have less time so these nfts are actually worth over a thousand dollars now other people and they have to sell those off. so that's just the way that it kind of works is being part of something the whole thing is being part
0: of something Um, so it's very cool well, NFT stands for non-fungible tokens. So it's basically like it's an individual item, you know. So and it can be it could be like a, a QR code to get you into a party. It could be like a ticket to a rock concert. But basically, it's like it's you can make like fifty of something, and that's it. And once you own that on the blockchain, it's forever recorded on the blockchain that you own that. You know, so it's kind of like a property thing. And I definitely think that's interesting. They were talking about. Doing something similar to like that for voting, basically voting on the Ethereum blockchain. So like as a country, they could send everyone a freaking QR code, and you could scan that QR code, and you say I'm voting for for uh, Brandon or Trump, and you know, and your vote gets recorded on the blockchain for everyone to see. There's no machines made by some company that supposedly can't connect to the internet, but they can, and it's a whole mess. Uh, but interesting thing I wanted to talk about is cryptocurrency for passive income which is something I've done. Um, it's, I'm actually doing it right now. So I have, I'm making between 10 and $20 a day, doing absolutely nothing. It doesn't sound like a lot, but that's $3,600 a year to $7,200 a year. I don't know about you, but that's pretty nice for not doing anything. And it's, it's using about 10 watts of power in my house. Um, the first one is called Helium. They're basically trying to build a LoRaWAN network. What the fuck is that? basically low, low frequency radio waves for that, that can pick up and, and basically locate different sensors. So if you have cattle and everyone has a little chip, you can look and if you have one of these near you, you can see where all your cattle are at. You if you're, if you're doing shipping containers, you can see where your shipping containers are. Next one I'm doing is uh, called Planet Watch. And they are a company that are trying to collect large amounts of air quality data from all over the world in different places their idea is to sell this data to, uh, you know, governments, individual companies, whatever. So I basically bought a $200 device, $225 that takes uh, air samples 720 times a day and sends it to planet watch. They reward me with like, you know, $7, $10 a day. So it's interesting that blockchains being used to like, in the in the helium one it's being used to basically crowdsource a network a you know a data network and for this one they're crowdsourcing their actual product and they're using cryptocurrency and blockchain to do that so it's pretty interesting it's just a, it's a super interesting space i've been reading about cryptocurrency since 2017 i tell everyone on my instagram listen look into this shit get into this because I can, I could send money to freaking someone in Japan right now for probably less than a penny and take two, two cents of transaction fee. There's no middleman. There's no government involved. There's no nothing. Um, government obviously does not like this because they're basically. I mean, yeah. Well,
1: and, and you can do it anonymously, but you can also do it at 7 PM. Uh, you can do it right. If we were like, Hey, uh, why don't you, why don't we do that transaction and I'll buy your house or whatever the case is. You're going to send me $10,000 to like buy the houses. Like, Good faith or something you can do that right now you don't have to do a wire transfer and spend you know a hundred bucks to do that or whatever the case is you can do that instantly well i
0: think it was it was venezuela or i think it was venezuela that basically made one of bitcoin bitcoin legal tender there and i think i don't know if we talked about it but one of the the problems is that people who are in the u.s and other countries that send money back to their family you have to use western union you get screwed on that you know they take however much and then this is something I never thought of is that, so I'm in a poor country. I have no money. I'm 25 years old. I have a gun. There's a Western union right there. I know that everyone goes to get their money from the fuck. Do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to rob your ass. As soon as you're leaving Western unions, so people are getting mugged leaving Western union. So they basically, uh, they started their own Bitcoin wallet as a country and they have ATMs and there's zero fees for Bitcoin. So my brother's in Venezuela and he's poor. I can say, Hey, here's some Bitcoin gets on his phone. He's got Bitcoin. He didn't get mugged and he didn't pay. We didn't pay 20% in fees. I mean, think how powerful that is in America. In America, we have banks. A lot of countries, they don't have banks. So having a little $40 burner phone, that's a bank. That's powerful.
1: That is what I went Went to. Not a
0: rant there. I love crypto though. So I'm
1: i
2: I'm mining Ethereum right now. So,
1: Okay, nice. so, so so this is something that I want to ask both of you guys. So I have a house and I have three rooms and I don't like I use this as my uh, office and I have the bedroom and then there's another room and I'm like, why don't I turn this into a room that just makes me money? And like, I think I we
0: hear lo- you we lost audio, Sam. You muted yourself. Oh, yeah. Oh, can you hear me now? Why
2: can't you turn this into a room to make money and then you cut?
0: Well, yeah, but you doing
1: maybe Ethereum or doing like several different projects uh, to go through that. And I'm I'm curious to know, you just shared you make 20 bucks a day, roughly, combined. What about you for the Ethereum stuff? How is that? I would would lean
2: more towards what Pete's doing right now. Honestly, what he's saying actually sounds good. Um, Now, Ethereum mining is great right now. But when they come out of Ethereum 2.0, they're going to force the owners with 30 plus Ethereum to rent out their graphics cards for free. Um, if you have a good graphics card, you can mine X amount of Ethereum a day. You basically lend out, you basically block that blockchain like what Pete's talking about. Pete would actually probably know better than me how it works. And you basically get paid for renting your graphics card out. And the more graphics space, the, the more processing uh, units that your graphics card has with your graphics companies. are. That's why they're so expensive right now for graphics cards. It's because everyone's buying them up and they're making money off of it by by setting up these rigs. So you can buy a rig and you basically buy graphics cards and like really the holy grail for graphics cards right now is probably gonna be like a 3080, which is actually what I have in here. And I'm making right now off of the 3080, I'm pulling in right around like 7 to $8 a day if I run it 24 um, seven. So when I'm doing my client updates and stuff like that and I can't de-stress and play video games, I have a $2,000 graphics card in there. It was a thousand bucks when I got it. Now they're like two grand plus um, for this model. And I'm just like, I'll make some money off it. It doesn't cost me anything. It's sitting there collecting dust. Why don't I just use it? I can still use the computer. I just can't play video games.
0: It costs, well, it costs money and power. That's that's the thing. So I I may have hypothetically had a a six graphics card mining rig at one time, and it was about $90 in power a month. How much Um, did you make off of it, though? It's hypothetical. I've never mined cryptocurrency. I don't own any. I don't, I'm a good citizen. Well, no, hypothetically, uh, in
1: that example, how much would have, hypothetically,
0: how much would have been made? So, I mean, so it's all depends. So it's very variable and I don't want to go too deep into mining. So if Ethereum goes down 50%, your profit just went down 50%. If it goes up, um, it also depends on how much power, uh, what your power cost is. My power cost is basically 13 cents a kilowatt hour. Some people in what's interesting um, is blo- crypto cr- took a shit yesterday because of Bitcoin. What happened is in Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan has super cheap power. So I was paying 13 cents a kilowatt hour. They're right there. They're paying uh 5, 0.55 cents or they're paying five and a half cents of per kilowatt hour. So power is super cheap there. So there's tons of miners. I think there's like 12% of the Bitcoin uh, hash hash rate network um is in kazakhstan wow so they have they're having a massive fucking political thing um and the president the president like resigned but before he did it their largest telecom company he basically turned off the internet so you don't have internet the mining machines can't talk so bitcoin lost a bunch of its hash rate yesterday and then it got tanked i personally if i if i well, anyway, we'll move on. Well, no, no, I
1: hypothetically, in that example, if somebody did have that, and 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 they were like, it had a thirteen uh, cent per kilowatt hour of uh, cost on there, ninety bucks a day. Given, you know, what Ethereum is at right now, what could somebody, you know, hypothetically make on that? You
0: know? Well, so for More for Dave, or for day. David, like let's say his example. So let's say he had six. Uh, thirty eighty thirty eighty graphics card so he's making uh forty two dollars a day right so forty two dollars a day but you also have to look you spent six thousand dollars on graphics cards and you're probably paying one hundred and fifty dollars a month so it's a, there's a break even there's a you know an roi yeah. basically so my um,
1: my thought process is putting solar on. so I've already talked to uh I would use Tesla solar roof with the battery pack uh, associated with it and uh think here in florida the last time i looked it up you can put as much as you know what your average usage is over the past certain period of time so just when i know i'm ready to do that increase my average usage for the previous three months so my bill is significantly higher than where it would be so that I can put more capacity on the house or maybe it was in massachusetts when i was looking that up i don't honestly remember but that's very interesting. I definitely plan on
2: You know with those Tesla roofs, you can sell the extra power back to the grid system.
1: But I would rather store that and just use it myself to generate money with like mining crypto. <laughs> you right yeah. versus cents versus I'll just use that shit for myself. <laughs> Even if I have to buy the pack separately somehow, black market and just add them to my pack or something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well I think I think we're right at about the hour mark. I kind of like that we went from supplements to to psychedelics to crypto. So those are pretty interesting topics. That should make the time stamping a little easier. I can just put supplements, drugs, <laughs> crypto. Make it very simple.
1: And uh, last thing here, I want to thank anybody who has listened to the podcast on any platform. Leave uh, uh, a review, but thank you, because we just crossed over uh, 1,500 downloads. Uh, So thank you for that. And we've seen an increase in the number of people who are downloading them. So if you're listening to this and you got value out of it and you enjoyed it, share it with somebody else. Like, this is how we grow our podcast so we really appreciate any support uh that you're willing to provide
2: thank you it can be my 30th birthday
1: present if you guys share it <laughs> oh, and, and, and then, and then ta- tag tag dave uh, uh with a uh, tag dave on instagram david
0: <laughs> so, David. <laughs> yep and i want to mention if you're watching this on youtube we are on every podcast platform if you're listening to this we do have a youtube channel you can watch us and watch all our beautiful faces as we articulate through these crazy subjects um Go follow Sam, David, myself on Instagram, YouTube, some other platforms, um, all the stuff that we are affiliated with affiliate-wise for different stuff, for research, whatever it may be, lots of different stuff. Um, Those will be in the links below. So David, Sam, thank you for being here. Thank you for everyone who's listening and supporting us. We love it. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And we will catch you next time on the Too Much Test podcast.